Welcome to Laugh It Up Fuzzball. I am Joe the Wookie Riot. Welcome to the podcast where we talk about life, the universe, and everything, but mostly geek stuff. A place where we get to let our geek flag fly and talk about all things geek. As I've said before, this isn't an amalgamation of geek news or a comprehensive guide to all genres or the world of geekdom. Hopefully it's just a fun place to cover some geek news, comics, The Simpsons, Star Wars, and whatever randomness finds its way on the recording. But let us get started. Well, hey, hey, friends. Welcome to level 88 of Laughing Up Fuzzball. 88, yes, a palindrome of sorts, I suppose. Not really. Best palindrome is a man, a plan, a canal, Panama. You can look up The Simpsons if you don't believe it, or actually uh, just look up some history stuff that has to do with Teddy Roosevelt. That's a great palindrome. Also, Taco Cat is Taco Cat backwards. I saw a teacher that said that once. But hey, welcome to level 88. Yeah, it's like late on a Thursday night, and this is going to get out either late Thursday night or early Friday morning. And it's delayed. And sorry, lots of life. But uh, as a as a bonus, the, the bonus ode that I said I was going to do and talk about TV did not happen. But what did happen is me and Danny actually uh, just recorded an entire conversation on Tuesday when we were on the way to a Kings game. Yes, we lost. We got swept by the Knights. Uh, not so fun, but at least every game was a, a one-goal difference. Uh the Ducks did not do as well. They, uh, they, it was Quackers. The Sharks, uh, the Sharks did things to them, and uh, and the and the Ducks, I'm sure, are showing their therapists on their uh, hockey dolls where the Sharks hurt them. But <laughs> while we were on our way, we recorded. I don't even know how long it is because I have to record on my phone, and it's like every 15 minutes, and it's a pain in the butt. But we recorded several of those. And uh, I'll, I'll have to cut those together and put it up as a bonus note. In fact, I'm thinking uh, since usually I'm a little bit late, maybe next Tuesday you'll get the bonus note, and then a little bit later in the week you'll get the actual episode. Or maybe it won't work that way. I don't know. Maybe you'll get the bonus note this weekend. Haven't decided. Also, it just depends on uh, the time that I, I don't spend doing homework. Yeah, because, oh, wow, lots of homework, and the Wookiee is behind. And I, we're down to, like, the last three weeks of school. Got to buckle down. Got to graduate. Got to graduate because I got accepted into graduate school and you don't get to go to graduate school if you don't graduate. And yes, it's weird that both those words are spelled the exact same way, but depending on how they're applied, they're said differently. They are. But why is it a house and why is it two houses and why is it a mouse and why is it two mice and why is it a moose and then two moose? But if if you have a, a, a goose, then it's two geese. I don't know because English is difficult, and I guess we could just do the entire podcast in a much less difficult language. We could just do a whole podcast in Sherwood. Just we could do that, uh, but uh, to avoid this podcast, the first fifteen minutes sounding like uh, the Star Wars Christmas special, which sometimes is best forget- forgotten and sometimes best uh, enjoyed. Yeah, <laughs> uh, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. And uh, we're just going to kick off. You know, actually, every time I look at my show notes, I have this little segment called Fuzzy Thoughts. And I'm always like, man, I used to do my fuzzy thoughts. And then I got away from it. And I said to myself, you know what? As you're going throughout the week, if you have like a funny geek thought and you just want to talk about it, then just do it, Wookie. Just, just write down, text yourself so you remember it, and then talk about it. And so my goal is to just start off like every single one of the episodes just with some fuzzy thoughts. You know, not dedicated to whatever geek news. 
not dedicated to whatever. Just, you know, little little geeky things like, hey, this is me. This is what happened in the week or this is what I've been thinking about or this is why I'm insane or this is why you're my friend. I don't know. It's it's one of those. But I just wanted to share last weekend. Uh, it was a little bit of a tough one. As you know, listen to the podcast. My buddy Sean passed away. We had his funeral. But then my good friend Danny actually got tickets to go see um, – Hollywood Babylon, which is a podcast that I really love, another one of my inspirations to do a podcast of my own. Not that I ever think I could be anywhere near as good as Kevin Smith or Ralph Garman, but I just really enjoy it, and they make me laugh, and I'm like, you know, I could make a couple people laugh. Maybe, maybe, maybe try. I don't know. Do my best. But uh, on on Hollywood Babylon, we had a really good time. It was me, Danny, Blue, and then uh, Danny's friend Joseph, who actually was on a podcast, really quiet on the podcast that he was on, but has has been on the podcast, so... You know, two Josephs, two Daniels, off to take on the world, off to enjoy some time, and also just to get the Wookiees head out of a out of a sad funk. And it was work. It worked. It was good. I had a really good time with them. But during that night, we actually discovered the superhero or supervillain names of Danny and Blue. That's right. Blue apparently has some sort of amazing lightning power that when he was driving my car, so I could enjoy a couple of adult beverages. Every time he got out of my car, he produced static electricity of a sort that he felt like he had electrocuted himself. And in fact, I witnessed this the last time when he dropped me off back in my apartment. I, I, I audibly heard the shock when he got out, and we realized that, that blue is brown lightning. That's right, evildoers. Beware. You thought black lightning was bad? We've got brown lighting, and if he gets out of a Nissan Rogue and you're in the vicinity, he's going to shock the hell out of you. And he'll, he might shock you with all of his amazing artistic talent, and uh, he's a really nice guy to boot. Brown lightning, brown lightning is uh, he's coming for you, bad guys. And speaking of bad guys, Danny, we discovered, is, is he, he might be an anti-hero. He might actually just be a superhero, might be a villain, but he is Coco Notorious. And yes, I know. It's a little offensive, both those names, but it's okay because they both embrace them. So uh, I just want you to know that uh, Coco Notorious and Brown Lightning have been gracing this podcast for for many episodes of the past 87 before this. And uh, in fact, Coco Notorious is going to be on the bonus episode, like I said. So I just wanted to share that, that they have names. Also, Blue just shared with us, <laughs> I didn't know this, but apparently Spider-Man and Deadpool have a baby named Itsy Bitsy. Yes, that sounds silly. Look it up, friends. She is frightening. Look up Spider-Man and Deadpool's baby, or look up Itsy Bitsy Marvel, and you can see uh, you can see what what that is and why that's so cool. And then just if you saw Laugh It Up Fuzzballs, I'm just still kind of in a world. I posted pictures of the most awesome comic book ice cream chuck I have ever seen in my entire life. It was so good. It was it was so. So good, so many superheroes, and superheroes done well, not cheesy, on this uh, on this ice cream truck. You can see the two pictures, but uh, imagine my surprise when I'm driving home from work another time, and he's right down the road. He's right down the road from my apartment. He is my local superhero ice cream truck man, and uh, that just brings me a little bit of joy that a, a super geek like me, you know, I know I know geeks that are, are super, more super. I know I know geeks that are less super. We all have things that we know tons about and things that we know a little bit about. But the, this nice ice cream truck is is there. And I, I'm going to make it my mission at some point in my life 
if he's at a spot where I can go outside and get an ice cream and take a picture next to this truck, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But uh, we'll, we'll just see see how that all shakes out. But uh, thanks to everybody that's been, been talking a lot on the Laugh It Up Buzzballs Facebook group. Uh, just put up a thing that I stole from Collider with 15 bucks. You can uh, make a team to defeat Thanos. I, I didn't pick who were the $5, $3, $1 characters, but it's been really nice seeing people put down their thing and then talking about it. I wish more people would actually defend defend their reasons there. But uh, yeah, you could you could look, you can go on Laugh It Up Buzzballs and pick your own group or tell other people why their groups are wrong. If I guess if you're so inclined, if you're just that person that's to be like, you're wrong. And uh, some, pe- some people are like that, but I like to think that the, the, the listenership here at Laugh It Up Buzzballs, we would say all 12 of you or whatever the number, the number it is that he picked just to make fun of me, make fun of me. But, uh, yeah, go go on. And please just keep it. If there's something geeky you want to throw up on there, do it. Do it. Please. Yes. Just, uh, and there's 288 people on there right now. And tell your friends. Let's get more people on there. It is a closed group, so they have to ask to join. But it's really easy. They ask and I say yes. It's just just so uh, a lot of people will be deterred. They'll see the closed group, not know what it was, is not apply. And then at least it's uh, people we know, so to speak, or uh, pe- listeners to the podcast or whatever. But I guess we'll just, those are all my fuzzy thoughts, you know, in my head. I'm sure I have more. And hopefully it's uh, just something we can do with the podcast. I don't know. It may happen every podcast. It may not. You know, a lot of times fuzzy thoughts is just me on tangents. All of my friends know that I'm very, very good with the tangents. But we'll just kick right off into Flavor of the Geek. And we're going to start off just uh, with a little bit of sadness. Rest in peace, Arlie Ermey. Yes, that is right. The uh, The man who most people know from Full Metal Jacket. The T.I. himself has passed away, and uh, it's 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 sad. If you've ever seen the movie Saving Silverman, he actually had a really good role in there as a coach, and uh, yeah, he was the voice of Sarge in Toy Story, and, and, and so much more, really. Just, he served in the United States Marine Corps, and uh, he, he lived a whole bucket of wind, I think uh, he was 80 years old, if uh, 80 or 70. Yeah, 70 years old when he passed away. Gone too soon. I actually got the chance to actually like meet him once when he was in Okinawa visiting the troops. And uh, yeah, he was he was so great in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. And then of course, if you ever watched the show Mail Call, just just an amazing, amazing person. And meeting him in person, he was exactly that. He was exactly who uh, who you'd expect him to be. But a real kind, gracious person. Also, I'm looking at his IDMB. Apparently, he was in a Mississippi Burning uh, a ways back. And, of course, he was also on The Simpsons. And uh, he actually does the voice of Sarge in the Disney Magic Kingdom video game, if you didn't know that. But uh, I think somebody told me that it was actually on Family Guy. He did a lot of, a lot of, different, a lot of different voice work. And uh, just had had one of those voices where you were like, yes, yes. And if he told you that you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose, you were like, yeah, you're right. You're right earlier. I mean, indeed you are. In fact, I'm just scrolling down through all this stuff in the IDMB, and I don't want to say it all like I know everything about him. Uh, but, yeah. Oh, wow. He was the voice heard on the speaker when the troops were receiving their gear for battle in Starship Troopers. Like, yeah, that that's just sort of the voice that he had. Oh, he was such an amazing person, and it stinks. Uh, stinks that he's gone, but uh, you know, 
there's there's some stuff to remember him by. And uh, thank you for your service, sir. Hopefully, uh, you finally get your rest up there in the the great big uh, big uh, leave area for uh, for double dogs in the sky. Sad to see you go, but happy that uh that you were a part of my life and a part of so many others' lives. You you're just really 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 uh we're great, very very talented. And uh, your experience in the military, he was in for a lot, 10 or 11 years. But uh, and actually, if you think he was a gunnery sergeant, he actually got that. Marine Corps gave him that rank later. He actually got out as a staff sergeant, which is an E6 in the Marine Corps. And uh, gunnery sergeant is E7. But uh, served in Vietnam. And uh, yeah, yeah, just, just a really great stellar guy and i know it's not super geeky but i guess if you count him doing uh the starship troopers or uh, sarge on toy story fits in there but uh to me big geek for everything that he did we can get in some more news we got uh you've heard me talk about why the last man the comic book here on the podcast and uh apparently it is going to begin a television show adaptation on fx and uh, at least the pilot's been ordered and that's that's really good news why the Last Man follows York, who, due to some weird virus, ends up being the only person with the Y chromosome. Actually, the only being with the Y chromosome, other than his monkey named Ampersand. Yes, his monkey is named after the fancy uh, term for an and sign. But uh, York and Ampersand are, are the last men on Earth, and they have to deal with this new world, where it is uh, only women. And there are Amazons, and pirates, and ninjas... And uh, and women who are very excited that he's the last man, and women that are not so excited that there's a man left. And uh, it all, all goes around to a really great, brave ending, and it's a lot of fun. It goes from United States all over to the open ocean to Australia to Japan or China. And, uh, yeah, it's really, really good. It's uh, probably one of the best non-superhero comics that I've ever read. Maybe Shorter Preacher. I really enjoy Preacher, too. But, uh, yeah, really, really good. We've got, uh, oh, if you didn't hear, Black Panther. And we even know it's making all the money, but now I guess it's officially sailed past Titanic to become the number three movie of all time in the United States. And it's it's making all the money. It is the number one superhero movie, I believe, of all time. And then just to, to add to it, it is going to be the first American film in 35 years to play in Saudi Arabia, only the third movie ever. Of course, this comes with uh, with the leader of Saudi Arabia is trying to open up and uh, get rid of Saudi's reputation as just being I don't I don't know how to say it politely. Uh, backwards was the word I was looking for, but I don't want to offend anybody. Just uh, closed off, and you know they, they definitely have their uh, their their role in the world, I guess, where. Uh, they were not so great to women, but of course they gave women the right to drive, which was big news like less than a year ago. And now uh, they have a deal with AMC theaters to open up AMCs so that people can see movies. And men and women are actually going to be allowed to sit together, which is a really big deal in Saudi Arabia. And uh, the first American film that's going to be shown, Black Panther, which literally makes it sound like the leader of Saudi Arabia was like, I have to open up these movie theaters so I can see the Black Panther. <laughs> I heard somebody say that, and I was like... You don't think he has like the ability to see whatever that he wants in his palace because he's he's a sultan or a sheikh or whatever whatever it is there in Saudi Arabia. But cool, cool way to go, Black Panther. Uh, as appearances show, you're you're breaking down 
all of the doors. And I guess it's probably helpful that there's really only like uh, two Americans in the entire movie. And one of them is the bad guy. And one of them is the white guy who's really not in the movie. So uh, there you go. What else? We got Luke Cage season two. It's going to be returning June 23rd. And all sorts of news about it. The villain's going to be Bushmaster. Talk of Daughters of the Dragon. Nightshade. Heroes for Hire. I mean, Iron Fist is set to be on the show. He's also getting another season of his own. But who knows what it all means. You know, Danny Rand and uh, and Luke Cage together could be Heroes for Hire. Um, what else? Colleen Wing and Misty Knight doing their thing. That's what I would really like to see because I'd like to see some Daughters of the Dragon. But uh, there, there's been images of Misty Knight with her bionic arm. So that's something really exciting. I want to see what the second season brings to the table. Diamondback might also be back. Um, although, you know, if you saw the first series, he, uh, he seemed a little out for the count after his fighting with Luke. But uh, he could come back as like a version 2.0 or something. And then I really want to see some more Claire Temple coffee time. Sweet Christmas. <laughs> and I know uh, Danny, a.k.a. Coco Notorious, will be excited for uh, uh, the return of the show that made him feel like a strong black man. We've got uh, Preacher Season 3. actually saw what the date is. You know, AMC viewing. Why the Last Man? They've already done two seasons of Preacher. And uh, the third season is going to be on June 24th. So uh, if you've been enjoying that show, I, I I have mixed feelings about it, but I have been enjoying it. It's just the comics better. But, uh, yeah, Season 3, June 24th. So we'll see more for Jesse and Tulip and uh, and all the characters. Yeah, Airstar and... Uh, and Cassidy, and uh, yeah, <laughs> Miss Featherstone, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see much more for all those characters, and hopefully they could actually go more road tripping, maybe not get stuck in a place, and then uh, do some interesting things. We've got Nicolas Cage, just talking, he, he possibly wants to play the Joker, Dr. Doom, and it's like, oh, okay, in, in fairness, Nick Cage is a gigantic gigantic comic fan uh didn't didn't get to play superman but he's gonna get to do the voice in that teen titans go movie but his last name cage is because of luke cage you know what i mean like that that's not his real last name friends uh he's actually a coppola and uh yes related to francis ford coppola and sophia coppola cousin of sophia coppola as i understand it but uh wants to play the joker and we've all seen nick cage do some crazy stuff on television so maybe he could be a version of the joker Maybe it could be Doctor Doom. Like, you know, Marvel, DC, let Nick Cage be in one of these superhero properties. Figure it out. You know, he's not a bad actor. Sometimes he's he's over the top. He's a bit much. But uh, he's a good actor, and he's a lot of fun to watch on television. So, yeah, let's 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 see him see him do some stuff. We've got uh, Christina Hodson, which is a name if you're not familiar with. She was the Bumblebee movie that's coming out, wrote that script. Also was a writer for a Bird the Prey script. And uh, is now going to be writing Batgirl. For Warner Brothers and DC, rumor is that DC's looking for this movie to actually follow up after Wonder Woman 2, alongside whatever the Flash movie is going to be. So yeah, Batgirl still appears to be a thing for DC, and uh, why not? <laughs> why not? We've got uh, Sebastian Stan has come out, you know, Bucky, our old pal, the Winter Soldier, once in on the solo Black Widow film. We really don't know much about the Black Widow film other than, it, for all appearances, it actually looks like something that's going to happen, and uh, apparently Bucky wants to be in it. And uh, sure, that makes sense, but uh, I don't, we don't really need more dudes in it. I, I think it would be awesome if it was a lady fest. Lots of ladies kicking ass. I think that would be a lot of fun. We got Diego Luna cast as the Terminator in Tim Miller's film that's going to be coming out November 2019. 
if you were like, wait, November 2019, wasn't it earlier? Yeah, friends, it was July 26th originally got pushed back, but honestly, that's probably because the Terminator himself, he had heart surgery. If you want to, you can go on YouTube and see a picture of him. Sort of looks like a frail old man with a chessboard. Yes, the Wookiee got to see it at the Hollywood Babylon. But he's going to show you the line and put it out there. Yeah, I had heart surgery. But don't worry, I'll be, I'll be back November 2019 for when I do the movie. But Diego Luna is going to be the younger version of me. Oh, yes. <laughs> don't be eating my cookies, Maria. It's not the main, I promise. <laughs> yes. And that's uh, my bad Arnold Schwarzenegger impression for you, friends. I gift it to you. And what you can't see is me taking my hands and scooping them towards the microphone as I give that gift, give that gift to you. <laughs> we also have uh, Colton Haynes, who is the actor who played Roy Harper on the Arrow television show. Was on a couple episodes for season six, but apparently he's going to be returning to season seven as a series regular again and nobody knows what that means uh last we saw which i'll actually mention the uh, episode of arrow he was uh, off into the wild blue yonder with dia and uh apparently he's going to come back in way shape or form and who knows what that means for whatever the heck was going on with him and dia to be continued when we get to the small screen all the s's synopsis we've got anson mount who you may remember from uh not Fear the Badlands, from uh, all that show about the railroad that I can't think of the name right now, but Anson Mount was the guy building the railroad, and I'll think about it later when I'm not, I'll be like, damn it, why could you not think of the name of that movie, but uh, Anson Mount, who you may also know from a really, 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 really bad uh, comic book show called The Inhumans, who played, uh, played Black Bolt. <laughs> played, played Black Bolt and did not play him well. Uh, oh, Hell on Wheels. Hell on Wheels is the show. But he was in Hell on Wheels. He's really good. He's actually an actor that I enjoy. He actually, once upon a time, was in uh, that Britney Spears Crossroads movie, too. Yeah. Yeah. He, he really was. He really was, friends. Um, <laughs> but, I'm, but I digress. But uh, yeah, Anson Mount is going to be Captain Pike in season two of Sexually Transmitted Disease. I mean, I mean, Star Trek Discovery. He's, he's, he's a little bit of slip. You know, it's the same acronym, STD, although they're uh, sexually transmitted infections now, and that's, that's uh, because it's a kinder, gentler way to discuss uh, discuss uh, getting a disease from, from someone who weren't protected and probably should have known more about him beforehand. But I digress. Somebody said Anson Mount, you get to be Captain Pike. Well, I'm not the biggest Star Trek uh, Star Trek nerd. I don't know all that much. I do know that that was the captain of the Enterprise before before the Shat, uh, before uh, Captain Kirk was the captain. So, uh, and I think there have been other actors that played him, although I can't tell you all those off the top of my head. But uh, apparently, Anson Mount is going to be in it. And I, I've actually read some stuff that uh, uh, CBS is is quite happy about Star Trek Discovery. It's uh, made them money, although I don't know anybody personally who pays for that CBS app to watch the Star Trek Discovery show, and actually none of the podcast pundits that I listen to have really talked to too much, other than I heard something about the Klingons looking weird. And uh, maybe maybe at some point I'll actually watch it. Uh, even my mom, who's a big Star Trek fan, 
didn't watch any of that show. But uh, if, if it's something that excited you, if it's a show that you watched, yes, hands him out, joining the cast. But uh, that's all of the news fit to print. I guess we'll just move into the small screen Star Wars sci-fi superhero synopsis. Does that sound good to you? You want to talk about some television? Some telly on the small screen? <laughs> okay, let's get to it. So lots of television to talk about, which is exciting. Once again, sorry it didn't end up being a bonus ode, but I think I did honestly say in that episode that it might not happen, so it didn't. It didn't happen, but like I said, there is an actual already recorded bonus ode that'll get out to you, so you don't have to worry about it. Like uh, I think I said before, but this isn't, this isn't any of the episodes that are happening this week. Sorry about that. They're just, uh, I catch them up and I talk about them the next week. Uh, sometimes I actually have actually caught the most current episode. And it'll be thrown in there. I actually think that might be the case for one or two shows this week. But for the most part, I, uh, I watch these late at night when I can't sleep because my head won't quiet down. But we'll just kick right off Legends of Tomorrow, Season 3, Episode 17, which was guest starring John Noble, and Episode 18, which was The Good, The Bad, and The Cuddly. And you see a title like guest starring John Noble and you think, that can't be a central plot point of an episode. And then you remember... This is a super fun comic booky show, Legends, and yes, that can be a thing. Um, in this episode, might have been the slowest in a while, but it, it needed it needed to to get back to Nora Dark becoming the big bad. And why not doing that featuring a young Barack Obama, Gorilla Grodd, Amaya changing time in Zambezi, and uh, Ray Palmer needing John Noble to record lines of dialogue on the set of Lord of the Rings. And uh, yes, all of those are plot points. In episode 17, getting us to the finale. There's not much more I can say about it without spoiling stuff, but other than kudos to the show for uh, making Damien Dark into a character that I enjoy watching every time he's on screen. Unlike when I saw him on Arrow and I'm like, oh, I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I still, you know, he's a bad guy, so there's times you don't like him. But um, yeah, he definitely had a, had a lot of a lot of character points and a lot of stuff to do with him. There's some really interesting daddy stuff going on with his relationship of uh, working with his daughter Nora and the fact that they uh, they made a deal with the demon which can never be a good thing but it's okay because when you make a deal with the demon then you get Constantine back on onto onto television and that's that's a good thing and gets him into season four so yay and yay and yay the episode ended with a well we're finally getting down to the confrontation Dealing with tribal totems and, and what an ending it was in episode 18. Heck yeah for Legends closing out with an episode which pulls villains and good guys from throughout the awesome season. It's silly and lovely and action-packed. Pirates, Romans, Vikings, Bebo, Aruba, a subtle Ghostbusters reference, plus a giant demon that is Mollus or Malice or whatever you want to call him. Plus Jonah Hex and the Wild West and Cowboys and awesome Amazonian warrior princess Helena Troy sacrifice in multiple fronts and just the heart humor and spectacle that makes the dcw show so great it was it was good sauce ends with a hook which explains how constantine is going to join the team and seriously i think that legends may win out of all the dcw shows i definitely when all these are done i want to have probably danny on and we'll we'll just talk all about all of the seasons it's something that i haven't done yet to my knowledge and uh, there'll be something fun Talking about all these seasons and our thoughts and our impressions and maybe our favorite moments once they're all done. But yeah, Legends is so good. And you can catch at least five episodes back, four or five episodes back. For most of the shows I talk about on their respective apps, 
the CW app is a thing. And actually, it's how I often watch these shows is with the CW app. So, yay, yay, legends. Glass, just one episode, season four, episode 17, Nolan Annoyed, and way to go, Kevin Smith, for a fun Flash episode. Turtle Power and a superhero improv group in Washington called the DC Comics. Ah, oh, Gersh, I really dig Ralph Dibney's elongated man on the show. All the jokes, jokes about Charlie Buckets and Willy Wonka, and so much more. He's a really fun addition. We get Gypsy Scary Dad Breacher, played excellently by Danny Trejo. Back and more fun as Team Flash searches for the remaining two bus metas. Finds one who makes me think of that Defying Gravity song from Wicked. Uh, if, you, if you doubt the fun of this episode, seriously, we get awesome Jay and Silent Bob cameos. Mentions to Nacho Donuts, not a reveal, just mentions. And then a mention which leads to a reveal of a vampire villain named Crucifer, who is totally from the JLA comics. I have so many questions about that, but not about the episode. There's drama between Barry and Ralph, interesting dynamics for the thinker and his wife, the mechanic, beyond the not-so-great southern accent of the current iteration of DeVoe. Weeper tears and a reveal for the couple, which is all sorts of messed up. One of the episodes, besides Jay and Bob, Jesse L. Martin and his imitation of Hartley Sawyer's quirks was truly gold, Well, nothing monumental really happened in this episode. It was a blast to watch. The new meta Noel was fun. I'm wondering what may come for Cisco, courtesy of his time with Breacher, and I'm ready for more action against the Thinker. But episodes like this are, are really nice, too. At least there was a, some character moments for growth, revelatory details, and then a great laugh at the end involving Ralph that I don't want to spoil. And then and then the end hook was, was really interesting, too. So yay, Flash. Yay, Kevin Smith. And then we get Black Lightning, Season 1, Episode 11, Black Jesus, The Book of Crucifixion. Episode 12, The Resurrection and the Light. And Episode 13, Shadow of Death, The Book of War. This is actually one of those shows where I'm, I'm all caught up. There was actually an episode that was on Tuesday, but I actually, actually saw it because I couldn't sleep last night and I watched it. But, uh, wow, this amazing drama of a family superhero show just rocks, friends. Episode 11 found a way to quiet down all the drama and make Jefferson Pierce prove his heroics through restraint. You know winding up in jail can't be a good thing, and there's so many tense moments as all the characters deal with what that could mean. Also gives police detective Henderson a chance to shine with some small screen time. Just a lovely episode with moments that wowed me. And then they get to the penultimate episode where you know shit's going to go down because Tobias Whale is back and so is Khalil who can walk again and Garfield High centers in what can only be called a literal battlefield. You know, they're, they're just doing their thing. The show, the show just has Black Lightning not just kicking ass but actually has fights with stakes. We get Thunder fighting the mysterious crony of Tobias which is awesome and a half and then Jennifer Pierce figures in as well. Um, I guess the lady that I'm talking about, Tobias Wells, is her name is Cyanide, which sounds cool, but I actually had to look up the, what her name was, so I guess I missed it in previous episodes, but then when I was watching uh, the last episode, episode 13, I, I finally heard how he calls her Cy, which is short for that. But um, Breland's not an easy place for a hero like Pearson. It's becoming less and less safe for him and his family. There's crook cops, a shadowy organization of mother effers in the ASA. Plus Tobias's 100 gang and then whatever the heck is going on with Lala. There's also tender moments within all the badassery, like a moment for Jefferson and his ex-wife that then becomes complicated after shocky, sexy time. And the fact is, this is a high-octane 
socially relevant show that just packs electric punches to the feels and wow centers in my brain. And then the last episode just wow, really good. You get you get black and white flashback of stuff from Jefferson's past. And then you get you get what's going on with the family and you know everything's gonna have to go down. And then it does. And it's not just uh Jefferson and his superpowered girls and his wife and Gamby versus the ASA. You also have Tobias and Khalil and Cyanide. And then you also have the Freeland cops showing up. And there's a moment where you're just like, what, what, what the deal? What's going on? And then uh, it, it all finds a way to, to wrap up successfully, but also in a way where literally there's a last line of the show where you're like, next season it's gonna go down and 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 lala absolutely right i guess a uh, quick spoiler skip ahead by like 30 seconds five four three two one but yeah lala is the tattooed man and that's that's super exciting but uh this this show had so many storylines to tie together but my trust was not misplaced in the show to do it and make me smile while doing it. Then the soundtrack, like I don't listen to a lot of hip hop or R and B or rap, but man, and they, they find they find old funky jams and, and current modern music to put in and it's it's just good. And uh, while I really enjoy it as a, a Wookiee of the lighter complexion, I, I definitely know that this the show has to be so so rad for people that are seeing themselves on screen and seeing their life circumstances in a way on screen and just and uh, wow, that last episode really went for it with the villain of the ASA, like just literally being a Make America Great Again asshole, horrible person. And they're, oh man, he just says some really bad things. He's just the white person you want to hate. And they don't pull the punches. And I think that's one of the things I really, really like about this show. They don't pull the punches. They just, they put it out there for you to digest, to digest and, uh, of course, you're you're rooting for the right side, and uh, yeah, it's it's just really really good. Black Lightning was uh, 13 episodes, and they they did it really amazingly and concise, and uh, I enjoyed the piss out of it. Like the last episode, just being called the Book of War and the Shadow of Death, that applied completely. They really, <laughs> of all the shows, their episode titles, I'm just like wow, like Black Jesus. I think that was actually. The front title of two different episodes, but uh, yeah, Black Lightning was really, really good. And I, I told Danny that I actually thought it was a show that I liked more than Luke Cage. I really enjoyed the the show Luke Cage on Netflix. I'm really looking forward to season three. But I dare say, just because of the acting and the the family dynamics going on, I think I like Black Lightning better. Which actually really says something because I really liked Luke Cage that much. And if Legends of Tomorrow was not such an amazing comic booky show i could see this one as being my favorite it reminds me of back in the day of arrow season one where i was like wow this is just a dark and gritty show but it also has like i said that social relevance and, and some of those political messages and social messages and uh it's it's really 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 fucking good it's uh it's really good and uh, the only sad thing is that we're gonna have to wait until next year to get more black lightning and to get more legends but ooh yeah yeah lots and lots of fun if you if you can find a way to watch black lightning if you haven't been keeping up do it and then uh, the last cw show to talk about is arrow we got season 6 episode 16 the thanatos guild episode 17 brothers in arms and episode 18 
fundamentals and what to say about Arrow that the first episode finds a way to take Roy and Thea's reunion from the previous episode and then take us to new twists involving previous League of Shadows stuff in a new way with a big reveal at the end which is interesting to me but maybe might make others groan. To me it seems like this episode was uh, just maybe going to set up future seasons of the show but then I actually uh, heard that it was a way for Thea and Roy to exit the show to move on to other things. Uh, that's not a spoiler saying they die because it'd only be a spoiler if they did and they don't. Um, I guess that's a spoiler to say that they didn't, but I uh, probably should assume in these shows that people don't die, and it's only a spoiler if uh, somebody runs that they do. Um, it was a really nice send-off episode, uh, but I thought it was a send-off for, for both after reading that, and then I heard that the actor playing Roy was coming back, which I talked about in the Geek News, so yeah, uh, last you know, you just got Ian Roy going off to maybe complete something for Malcolm Merlin with uh, Nissal Ghoul and... Uh, well, maybe, maybe that doesn't go so well, or maybe I am right, and that will tie into stuff from the episode when Roy comes back for Arrow. Uh, it, it, it was it was good. I really like seeing this all go come back. There's a new potential baddie in Athena. Lots of lady fights, and uh, Thea getting to be front and center in an episode, which reminded me that I haven't completely been digging everything in the season. I was enjoying the Step Away episode that I stepped away from everything, and I, I like that they really allowed the actress who plays Thea. I don't have her name right now, but really to shine. And uh, she she was a, a fan favorite, and uh, I, I yeah, I, I enjoyed seeing her on the show. You know, it's not completely fair, though, to say that you know, I, I enjoyed the step away, because I really did actually like the next episode. But that's because the whole thing was tension between Ollie and Diggle. The show really needed to deal with Dig wanting to wear the hood. Um, it's tragic, but also great. And this whole season seems to be about the destruction of Team Arrow. It's good, though, because we get stuff from Mr. Terrific and Dinah and other characters that would all interplay together on their end. I guess, basically, they're a, they're a new Team Arrow of sorts. And then you get Episode 18, which alters Oliver's mental state, brings back Adrian Chase in a great way. I really enjoyed him as a villain of the last season. Really, one of the best things about Arrow is that all the fighting goes down, and all three of these episodes paid off in that regard. It looks like the writers just wanted to find a way to get back to basics of how the show started, but you know it's no, never going to be that simple. So so many characters have been a part of the six seasons and are going to have to be involved in different and interesting ways. One thing I will say is that the baddie with the dragon tattoo, a.k.a. Diaz, is getting better as a central antagonist, and all this last episode dealt well with uh, hooks from previous previous seasons and previous episodes. I like when Ollie has to face his demons, and he certainly did in what was probably one of the best episodes of this entire lopsided season. I do miss Caden James, but oh well, you know, you can't always get what you want. Sometimes you get what you need. The end of Fundamentals really made me curious for how they're going to finish off this season. Seems like uh, it may be much more personal rather than the gigantic showy finale that's been a habit of previous seasons. Plus, man, Prometheus... Adrian Chase was just used so dang well. Well, Arrow hasn't been my favorite of the five shows. Really still enjoy watching this dark and brooding drama about Green Arrow. And someday he might learn to lay nice, play nice with uh, with others, and uh, to lay nice with others too. I doubt it, but maybe. And uh, as long as he hasn't failed his city, he'll be he'll be okay. And then uh, I watched some Agents of Shield. Watch season five, episode thirteen, Principia. 
in episode 14, The Devil Complex. Uh, episode 13 takes all the revelations from the 100th episode, slows things down a bit with agents hunting for some gravitonium to fix the rift, which brings nightmare dimension things to life to friend their lives in the lighthouse. And then uh, they finally find the gravitonium, and how it all goes down is really comic booky and really great. Yo-Yo is dealing with the concept of being stuck in a time loop and stuff that happened to her previously. Deke proves to be a great addition to the group, balancing off of Fitz and Gemma. Jake Busey actually arrives in the MCU in a bit role, but uh, it does bring back Hydra, at least a mention of that remembered threat. Also a B-plot, which returns Baron Vosh Drucker's powered son Alex, who is paired up with evil General Hell's killer daughter Ruby. Um, there's a lot going on there in that B-plot, which may or may not be on General Hell's agenda. There's more of the faceless killer robots, lots of moving parts in a fun episode. You, you would think that ripping a hole in the fabric of reality would be enough, but there's a, a lot more good stuff in the episode. While 13 was a little slow, had the moving pieces going forward, the next episode found a way to hail back the framework episodes from last season and have two concentrated stories that were so powerful and amazing that I was so damn riveted for all 40-something minutes. They take the happy feeling from two episodes ago and then rip your heart out while simultaneously using the idea of the fear dimension in such a twisty way that I shouted out loud at the Biggerville. So let's just say it's no bueno for any of the characters involved. And uh, I'll, I'll let the secret stay until uh, maybe I come back next time to talk about this show. Episode 14 was just badass, and it takes things to a new place. I, I knew certain things had to happen, but I wasn't ready for how it all went down. It, the events that hurt your happy place. But that's just good storytelling. And one thing's certain, I'm mad at myself for falling behind on the show. I guarantee you want to catch up. The best thing is I'm not even mentioning the secondary plot with Coulson and Ming and General Hell and the Absorbing Man and a returning baddie from the semi-recent past. And I guess I can keep a secret now too, although I really want to talk about it. But this episode certainly set things up for big things in the future. And uh, Danny's caught up and like wanted to talk all about it when we had our little our road trip conversation. But uh, I've got I've got four episodes, which includes the episode that comes out this week, I believe on Friday. So uh, I need need to play a little bit of catch up with agents, but uh. Really, really enjoyed it so much that I, I want to. I want to catch up so much. I also watched uh, Legion Season 2, Episode 1, which is Chapter 9, and Episode 2, which is Chapter 10. And I just, first and foremost, I just really like that their episode titles are just keeping going. The first season was eight episodes, so literally the first episode, their second, is just Chapter 9 and Chapter 10. They're just they're keeping the story going. There's no point. Like all of them just there. So when you're whenever it's all said and done, you'll just have chapter one through blank, just like a comic book. Really really comic booky, just like a comic book. And damn I, friends, this crazy mind fuck of a show is back and boy is it smarter than me. It's just crazy imagery and, and wild storytelling. That, that makes you pay attention or else you're really going to be so very lost. And the problem is I did pay attention. <laughs> I'm still not sure what the heck is going on sometimes with David and his crew. We're now working with bad guys who may or may not actually be bad guys. And then Burn Man from the first season is back as well as a Japanese robot guy that has a basket on his head and talks to female androids with mustaches. Yes, I just said that sentence. We finally get to see Amal Farouk, a.k.a. the Shadow King, and there's some interplay, which is so freaking good. 
that you just have to see it at the tail end of episode two. There's a techno dance battle, mind sparring, the unraveling of a mystery that is David's abduction from the end of last season that may or may not have to do with the dystopic future. And interesting stuff goes down for Carrie and Carrie. Instead shows some new dimensions and a great use of her power, which just makes me smile, even though I'm not the biggest cat fan. And there's a tank versus a ninja samurai. Seriously, there's so much going on, and this show is a trip. And even though I'm a bit lost at times, the acting is so damn wonderful. And, and if I learned nothing from last season, you just have to go along with this wild ride and enjoy them messing with your head to get to the end. Sometimes I think it is better. Like I watched uh, Legion season one when it first came out, you know, episode by episode. I was just like, what the F? And I finally figured it out. And then I rewatched the whole thing because it was eight episodes and it's available on Netflix or Hulu or something. And I was like, oh, it makes a lot more sense when you, when you just binge through it. But uh, watch this crazy show, friends, on FX. It's just really good, and it, it just get get it started. And man, man, props to Noah Hawley for just a wild X-Men show that really isn't about the X-Men. It's just about Professor X's crazy, schizophrenic, powerful son. And uh, yeah, <laughs> a lot of fun. What else? Oh, I, I caught up finally with Jessica Jones season two, episodes nine through thirteen. So episode nine is. AKA Shark in the Bathtub, Monster in the Bed. Episode 10 is AKA Pork Chop. Episode 11 is AKA Three Lives and Counting. Episode 12 is AKA Pray for My Patsy. And episode 13 is AKA Playland. And wow, in episode 9, the events that preceded it, whatever went down before um, at that episode, just results in some mother daughter bonding time while kidnapping a sniper detective and. That's a sentence you do not see every day. There's kids absconded to, to Peru via Greyhounds, via Canada. And, yeah, like I said, sentences – sometimes watching these comic book shows, you just like, wow, I have such interesting things to talk in conversations <laughs> with people. But uh, it, it, it's a quiet – the episode 9 was a quiet episode with lots of great acting um, going on. Episode 10 – you know, you get Mrs. Jones in jail because of her daughter, but now Jess is worried about the quality of that prison stay. And shout out to Netflix, Marvel for mentioning the rat, Raft from the MCU. Trish is dealing with her addiction to the dangerous performance enhancer, and Jess is uh, willing to do bad things against her better angels just so her mom will agree to a plea deal. And you know what they say about the best laid plans. Always going to go awry, and awry they do. So many characters make bad decisions in this in this show. Trish and Malcolm do some PI works, and she's not too happy about Jess bonding with a killer. And the doc who experimented on Jessica Jones to begin with is uh, free. But then there's sad stuff for Jerry Hogarth that I probably should have seen coming, but sometimes I allow myself uh, to, to think that comic book characters could be happy and really should know better. The ending of episode 10 just craziness that leads in one of the most well-paced and fantastically devastating episodes in number 11. If you wanted Purple Man to show up, episode 11 is the one for you. You get to learn about Trisha's plan, whether it's just addiction or there's 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 more going on. Then a, a ton of action. Malcolm gets moments. Kristen Ritter just acts her face off. Acting between delusions and real life is hard as hell, I'm sure. It's all done so well. Plus, once more, they have events at the end that make you say, oh, shit. The show just it keeps on keeping on with characters making questionable decisions that go good and bad where you, you may not agree with their motivations, but you enjoy watching it all go down. Lots of gorgeous interplay between many different people and all steamrolls to an ending that is tragic 
and beautiful and, and may change the dynamic of this world in ways that make you want a season three now just so you can see how it's going to go. And yes, this show has been renewed for a season three, which is really, really good news because I love this season. Uh, Jessica Jones is an easy show to just catch a couple episodes at a time because it's really well paced. Um, I wondered how they would find a way to tell more story and boy howdy did they come up with something good. I have no idea where it's all going to go next, but I do know I want to see how all the interpersonal stuff figures into the future, future plus all the the watching Trish become someone that you really don't like sets uh, sets up future goodness, I am sure. Unlike the tagline for Fast and Furious, this show really is a show about family and connection and what that means. And bravo to all the lady directors for doing a show about a super-powered and complicated heroine that does not objectify her. She gets to be a fully realized person with feelings and motivations and like life. Things aren't easy all the time, and you get through it and try to be the best person you can be, and this show succeeded in that regard. I really dug it. Um, it, it it's, it's, is it as genius as the first season? No, but it's really, really, really dang good. And uh, segueing over to another show that, that I initially thought was not going to be good, but actually has been really, really, really good, Krypton. Yes, friends. I am still watching Krypton, and yes, it could turn into the same situation as Gotham, which I didn't watch any episodes of that because I didn't want her to didn't want her to hurt me this week. I was like, I'm not not in the mood, Gotham. It's not gonna happen. Instead, I'll go to my new lover, Krypton, who who so far has been treating me really well. I watched episode three, The Rankless Initiative, episode four, The Word The Word of Rao, and episode five, House of Zod. And, uh, man, this show just really strikes my fancy. I, I enjoy getting to, to be in this world of Krypton and the, in the city of Kandor before it became the lost city of Kandor. And I, and I enjoy seeing the power struggles. There's a lot going on in this, in this world. There's people who are ranked, who have houses, who have guilds, you know, there's the families you know, there's Zod and L and Vex. And then there's all the, the dramatic interplay between those families. And then there's the social messages of having people that are unranked and dealing with this threat of Brainiac. In episode three, it's all dealing with whether you know Brainiac has sent sentries down to see if uh, Krypton is a planet that he wants to take over. And when you see, see Brainiac, it's completely frightening and and it, it they just do a really good job, and I, I really enjoy Adam Strange in this, you know, <laughs> traveling traveling on his Zeta beams, <laughs> and and they, they do a really good job, and, you know, in, in the episode three, you've got the, the Praetorians, or Praetoriate, or whatever they call their, their military class, and of course, the, the House of Zod is the leaders of it, and... Uh, coming down and, and how that interplay is with the with the unranked Kryptonians and uh, whether they think it's okay. And then you have the entire concept of the leader is is the voice of Rao and he wears the this mask of the multi-headed god even though they only worship Rao now and what that means. And then you, you at one point you're dealing with, with a young child dealing with the potential loss of her mother and uh, – a guy who's not really her uncle, but cares for her, like doing that, and it deals with prayers, and and there's a you know a lot of a lot of Game of Thronesy style stuff going on where 
certain people want power and what they're willing to do for that power, who they're willing to screw over for that power, while also just adding new ideas into the show where you're like, who who the F is this character? And then there's like a big reveal at the end of episode five where you're like, what the what? And you probably, well, actually, I don't want to spoil that. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on this on with this show, and there's a lot of interesting possibilities for how it can go, especially because Adam Strange is time-traveling from the future from a world where uh, a descendant, the last son of Krypton, descendant of the House of El, has become Kal-El Superman, the Man of Steel. And, uh, you know, going back to make sure that Brainiac doesn't destroy Krypton. But I actually was listening to an entire uh, interview on this uh, show Collider Heroes with the actor who plays Adam Strange and them just saying, like, could this end up in an alternate dimension where Krypton doesn't get destroyed? Could this, could, where could it go? Could you actually go to where Adam Strange is from? Could you go to Thanagar? Could we see Hawkman? Could we see Omega Man? Could we see all these things? And uh, it's just really great. And there's, there's even, uh, you know, Rao is not the only god. Like I said, the the voice of Rao wears the multi-headed god, and there's even mention of people that follow like one of the other gods and what that means. And there's so many different like intriguing little things that are set up. Plus, just no nobody's sleeping on this job. The set design, the visual effects, the acting, everything is just done with such love and seriousness. And this is literally a love letter to to Superman's home planet and there there's a lot of really great stuff going on it's only five episodes in but I'm so looking forward to where everything goes and then you get backstory for for characters from the house of Zod and what it means no one in the house of Zod kneels for anybody and uh, and and what people are willing to do to further their agendas what people are willing to do to save the future timeline, what people do for selfish reasons and what people do for pure motives. And, and and it is beautiful. And there's just enough different characters that you can completely follow along with what's going on. And uh, kudos to, to everybody involved in making this strange DC show that I never knew I wanted, but that I'm enjoying the hell out of. And episode five, The House of Zod, is the episode that came out this week. So I am current on Black Lightning. I am current on Krypton this week. But uh, and that was just a case of couldn't fall asleep, started watching, and uh, kept watching because I was I was so riveted. And then today I decided to take a break from studying. And what I did was I caught up on the, the most current episode of, uh, of Krypton because I wanted to. And I, I really, really am enjoying the show. And, uh, I you know, you can get it straight on the Sci-Fi app. And it, it's really, really, really enjoyable. I uh, I don't think I don't think I'm steering you wrong by saying you should check it out. But that is uh, that's up to you. I just think it's wonderful. I think it's really wonderful. And Danny thinks I'm crazy. Thinks I found the new uh, new uh, girlfriend after Gotham to treat me bad. But that is okay. As far as Gotham and The Walking Dead, I am I am not caught up at all. In fact, if you want to hear a little bit of of Danny talking about Walking Dead, not really spoilers, but him talking about it, you can uh, you can listen to that in the future. In fact, I'm five episodes behind on on Gotham, and I am six episodes behind on Walking Dead, and it may not be until the summertime that I catch up on anything Walking Dead. 
Uh, good news, though, I guess this is sort of Wookiee Strange New Worlds or dystopic future, but I just wanted to point out while we're talking about TV, Westworld starts this Sunday, April 22nd. That's right, friends. Westworld Season 2 is back. I'm really excited to watch to watch this second season of Westworld. If I really enjoyed the first season, but also I got my roommates hooked on it. They recently watched Season 1, and those lucky ducks don't have to wait too long to actually see the second season. So, uh, we're, we're going to watch it together as roomies, making our little thing. Well, we'll have some fun watching it. Also, in the world of dystopia, we've got Handmaid's Tale Season 2 starts April 25th next week. So, I really enjoyed the first season of that show. So, it's another show I'm going to have to try to, to squeeze in to watch at some point. The good news is it'll be there on Hulu to watch whenever I want. And then also, sneaking up on me into the Badlands Season 3 which is a really fun show that I've enjoyed. Lots of martial arts in a world with no guns. That's actually starting April 22nd as well. So Into the Badlands Season 3 is back as well. So lots of great dystopic shows to watch. Westworld, Handmaid's Tale, and Into the Badlands. So woo to the who. Woo to the who, friends. We, uh, we have those shows coming back. But I guess we'll just move into our next segment in the stacks. Lots of comics, actually, to talk about for you, friends. Uh, we'll start off... Red Dark Knight's Metal, Issue 6, written by Scott Snyder and James Tenney in the fourth. Art by Greg Capullo and Jonathan Glapian. Colors by FCO Placentia. Letters by Steve Lawrence. Yes, a letters mention. Wow, this, this Red event finishes up in a big old way. I loved everything that went down in this new reckoning with the multiverse and evil nightmare versions of characters, but mostly Batman. Wonder Woman gets to keep on being the baddest lady that she is, and there's... 10th metal and 10th metal and 11th, no, just 10th metal. <laughs> and, and it's not a spoiler to say the good guys win, but but I'll let you learn how that happens while this, this whole event was epic. It's not perfect, but uh, it, it cheaps out a little in the end just to lead into future events, but I still really liked it all. There's a showdown with the Batman Who Laughs, which is especially great. It made me pump my fist. Also a connection to Crisis on Infinite Earths that I didn't see coming, I didn't expect it. And then a panel to pay off the Detective Chimp stuff from the previous issue. Plastic Man and a whole bunch more. The end stuff is still good. Even if it felt like I wanted to see more of the Bam Pow Bang stuff rather than the lead-in. But there's, there's a really nice moment with a lot of characters around a dinner table in Wayne Manor. As a whole, the event really rocked. It is interesting to think about where this all could head. New series are, are, have already sprung up because of this, and then whatever the heck the No Justice storyline for the Justice League is going to end up being, this this whole thing had so many moving parts, but the stuff for Diana and Batman and Superman and Hawkman really made me ecstatic. And while this event was not perfect, they really went for it, and I appreciate that they went out there, they, they gave it all. I'm, I'm sure it's all going to be collected soon in one big book, and I highly recommend you check it all out. Blue red through a giant stack in no time, so I know you can do it too. And he loved it, I loved it, and uh, be prepared to be wowed by the most heavy metal of comic series that's come out in a long, long time. Also read Doomsday Clock issue four, written by Jeff Johns, with illustrations by Gary Frank, colors by Brad Anderson. Uh, while this series is not my favorite, I respect the heck out of them attempting to meld the world to Watchmen DC. The problem with this issue in particular is I just didn't really want a whole them telling me the backstory for the new Rorschach 
found myself not really caring, but still enjoying while I was reading it. I guess I wanted them to show more connections between the two worlds, more connections between DC and Watchmen characters, wanted them interacting beyond Byron Lewis's Mothman, but truth be told, I'm just itching for Joker, Mime, and Marionette to come together, but I also want more Bats and Superman and Lex Luthor, and we're going to see what comes since this is a 12-issue story, and, and I'm probably being impatient. This is just issue four. I probably should just realize that there's eight more issues to give me all the things that I want. This one uh, strikes me as one of those events where it's all going to be much better once all of the issues is out. It's a tough one just to read issue by issue. It's good, but uh, this just not was not my favorite issue. I think that honor goes to issue two or three so far. But Doomsday Clock, it's really, really, uh, it's not audacious. They just, they, they're going for it. And it's an interesting concept and uh, set up with the whole, the button thing between the Flash and Batman. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm ready, ready for some Dr. Manhattan to show up too, more than just like little teases. And uh, we will see how it all shakes out. I have faith in Jeff Johns. I also read Poe Dameron, issue 25, written by Charles Sewell, art by Angel Lanzueta, color by Arif Crianto. This finishes up the whole mission to rescue Lorsan Tekka in a nice, tight little way. It ends with a happy moment for some, sad moment for another, and then a really great interchange between Poe and Lore that actually makes the opening scene of Force Awakens a little bit better. I checked it out after reading it. I watched that opening scene, and... Uh, I like knowing more about Max von Sydow's character that just more than just you know when he's briefly on screen it also allows for new concepts about people's connections with the force you know Lord Santega is not a Jedi but like anything mystical there's scholars and students and advocates that aren't just space wizards and also goodness for Leia here too all over this entire run it's just a nice little issue and a nice bonus round of goodness in the world of the newer Star Wars movies that I heartily recommend and uh, I guess now we're actually going to be getting stories after The Force Awakens. So uh, issue 26 actually came on a Wednesday, but I haven't picked it up yet. So I will let you know when I read it, but I am I'm really interested for where they're going to take it. Because literally this comic sort of lines up right with, like, you don't really need anything before Force Awakens. Also read Thrawn, issue 2 and 3. Yes, read lots of Star Wars comics. This was written by Jody Hauser, art by Luke Ross, colored by Nolan Woodard. And these comics put to graphic form the book by Timothy Zahn, and Hauser does a really great job making the novel more concise and even more engaging. I really enjoy the book by Zahn, but I have heard some people say that it drones on a bit, and this comic does not do that. Issue 2 is Thrawn encountering a ship that went up against pirates for its valuable shipment of Tabanagast. Think Cloud City here, friends, if that commodity doesn't ring a bell. And all the goings-on that happen where he shows off his great intellect. Also why he's a fan of Clone Wars relics like Buzz Droids. And keep in mind, he's just a lieutenant at this point in the Imperial Navy. Along for the ride is his AD Livanto, but quickly proving why he's such an asset to the Imperial Navy. And it struck me that Thrawn is one of those characters that actually might make you root for a bad guy. And it's this is really great. And issue three, also really well. But it, this is not Thrawn. This is I'm dealing with introductory stuff for Renda Price, who fans of Rebels will know well from all the stuff on Lothal. You know, she's Governor Price, really bad lady in Rebels. But once she was just trying to gain prestige on Coruscant as a young lady in order to pay back the corrupt officials who stole her parents' mining business on Lothal. And then she falls into the orbit of Thrawn. 
Um, and the issue is all about her and the outer politics of imperial doings on Coruscant. Really cool stuff. Really excellent read. Really, I, I recommend checking out these comics. It is a miniseries, so it's not a huge investment. Not a crazy investment of your time, so to speak. And uh, we'll be finished and then collected. So you can pick it up that way, too. And if you do the Marvel Now app thing, you'll get them six months after they, uh, they came out. So keep your eyes out if that's a thing you do. Red Darth Vader, issues 13 and 14. Written by Charles Soule, pencils by Giuseppe Comicoli, ink by Daniel Orlandino, and colored by David Curiel. Vader has really been my favorite of the Star Wars comics lately, and Soule keeps it going and really made me exclaim when I realized we are getting Vader in on none other than Moncala, homeworld of the Moncalamari and Corrin species. As this is so close to the end of episode 3, yes, you get Akbar. Yes, you get Radis and more of the Mon Calamari fishmen, including their King Lee Char, who should be familiar to fans of the Clone Wars animated series. Also great dream stuff for Vader, dealing with his final battle with Obi-Wan, and, uh, you know, back when he had all of his appendages, and then there's Tarkin, and mention the Krennic and the Death Star, and a whole bunch more. It gets really complicated because there's Jedi remnants on the planet, and the Empire is also invading... Stuff went down with their ambassador, and it, it doesn't quite get to Jedi versus Sith and Inquisitors action here with their lightsabers, but there is lots of other badass action stuff and Imperial military stuff, and it ends on a cliffhanger where things do not seem to be going the Empire's way. And there's going to be a whole bunch more as the story goes on, and I really can't wait. And even better, issue 14 just has a cover paying homage to Apocalypse Now that is just too damn good props to Giuseppe Camincoli and Elia Bonetti on a stellar, stellar cover. It's just one of those covers with Vader's head coming up out of the water where you're like, I, I need to read this. <laughs> and you do. You do. Star Wars issues 45 to 47 Written by Karen Gillan, art by Salvador LaRocca, colored by Guru EFX. And if you felt like just a couple issues of Vader on Mon Cala wasn't enough to, to satisfy your appetite for seeing Akbar on panels, well then have no fear, because imagine my surprise when Star Wars also found their story uh, on the same planet right after Empire Strikes Back, because that's where the timeline for the Star Wars comics falls in. I, I think I'm just happy to see uh, Giel Akbar alive and well. The Rebel Alliance is looking for the planet's trade fleet to join their forces, to join the cause, so to speak. We know it's never going to be that easy. In hopes to persuade them, the Rebels decide to concoct a plan to free their king from the Empire. Yes, King Leechar that I mentioned in the Vader comic. Apparently, at one point, he gets captured. Maybe you should, uh, maybe, maybe the two comics are going to feed off each other. Who knows? But, you know, to rescue a king, that means you're going to have to, to find resources. And in this case, it's a clawed-eye shapeshifter that is uh, going to be needed to impersonate an Imperial moth. And uh, there's a great breakout scene from a Dex Acquisitions Depot that was particularly fun since Chewbacca had a fake bounty hunter name. And ladies and gentle people, I present Violent Bach. <laughs> and it's Chewbacca. He's Violet Bach. It's so good. Oh, I love it. It tickles me. But the whole plan uh, to get the to to get this moth involves the shapeshifter impersonating him at a Mon Calamari opera party. Yay for Han Solo, the refresher attendant, and poor Chewbacca downgraded to being a towel at one point. 
But the mission keeps going on, and now all they have to do is rescue a king from a water planet prison that has defenses that uh, will probably remind some folks of a certain scene from episode one. <laughs> so uh, that's where this comic ends, on the cliffhanger, and it's really good. And I look forward to more of this mission, which is necessary for the Rebels to have all the Calamari cruisers at the Battle of Endor. And sometimes we know things are going to end or at least that they're gonna they're gonna succeed at some point, or they're at least gonna convince some people to donate their ships. But uh, it doesn't make it any less fun to enjoy the shenanigans leading up to it. Now I'm always a big fan of stories for Han, Leia, Chewie, Luke, and even Wedge. Yes, Wedge for a moment. Set between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, and I always enjoy these Star Wars comics. And the last Star Wars comic that I read was Doctor Aphra issue 18. Written by Kieran Gillen and Cy Spurrier, art by Emilio Leso, and colored by Rachel Rosenberg. The whole mission involving kidnapping Harrison Dula continues, and it's off to a classified Tarkin Initiative facility for whatever Triple Zero has sent Chelly Aphra after. Bonus, lots of weird creatures, which has sort of become a staple of this comic, even a mention to Dr. Cornelius Evazen, and a glimpse to why he may have gotten a couple of those death sentences in so many systems. Like most of the hilarious lesbian scoundrel archaeologist missions, things go crazy, and we just smile and enjoy it while it all goes down. I mean, seriously, there's like cyborg huts at one point in this, plus the unrequited romance for Aphra and Magna Tolvan, and then Hera gets to be a great Twilight leader of the Rebels that I've come to admire, and... The entire comic is awesome sauce. It leaves at a point where you're like, man, now I'm going to have to wait a month for the next comic, and I really want to see how it goes down. But as often happens within the stacks, we finish up with some Star Wars comics, which just segues really, really nicely to our next segment, Let the Wookiee Win Star Wars. And we talked the Thrawn comic, which actually took uh, the Timothy Zahn novel and is making it into a graphic novel form. And uh, I'm not sure if I actually mentioned it, but uh, I found this on my phone. So the new Thrawn novel by Timothy Zahn coming out July 24th. And an excerpt went up on StarWars.com if you were curious in uh, reading it. Although if you do, spoilers. Also, Last Shot, which is a comic – or it's not a comic. It's a book tying in to the Han Solo movie. But more, it's actually a, an adventure for Lando and Han which actually predates the Han Solo movie, postdates the Han Solo movie, and then postdates Return of the Jedi. There's actually a bunch of different timelines all tied together. A villain who who is in love with droids and hates hates humanity or at least the infirmity of organics and uh, thinks that Han stole something and he wants it. And now you know Han, who is a toddler named Ben Solo has to figure out what's going on. And then, of course, you get Lando. And apparently Lando has a Twilight female lady friend that he's sort of interested in. And then there's there's even an Ewok slicer in this. There's a Gungan who doesn't like all of the, the backlash that he gets from stupid Jar Jar. There's a, a non-gender binary character uh, who they and theirs are their pronouns. And then you get all this stuff in the background. There's uh, some stuff for L337 and Lando predating the Han Solo movie. And uh, although I actually listened to an interview or read an interview with the writer, uh, he says there's no spoilers for the movie. This is apparently some really nice accompanying material. And I look forward to it. I'll probably still see Solo before I get a chance to read it because I don't have that much time to just sit down and read a book. easier to read like a couple issues of a comic here and there. 
But yeah, Last Shot. It's out, and uh, from everything I've heard from people, it's it's actually a a really enjoyable book. I think just just hearing when I was hearing the uh, the uh, um, when they were talking about the Ewok slicer, and they were saying the only only creature in all the Star Wars universe that loves Chewbacca more than Maz Kanata, I was just like, man, that is hilarious, and uh, I think that's neat. Like you know, you think of the Ewoks as as such a uh, a primitive race, and uh, I like I like breaking that mold, and I actually think uh, a Gungan that doesn't like the Misa stuff is interesting, and I, I like Lando going after a Twi'lek lady as a as a young boy and as an older Wookie. I've always thought that uh, oftentimes the Twi'leks are uh, very very beautiful, but this novel by Daniel Jose Older, Star Wars Last Shot, a Han and Lando novel, check it out. If books are your thing. <clears throat> and then in July, you can check out the Thrawn book. So there you go. All you happy readers, you're welcome. We also, if you didn't hear, there's, you know, of course, all the spoilers. And uh, the Star Wars Monopoly board game. Apparently, people have seen shots of what's coming out. And there's lots of locations. I guess uh, skip forward if you don't want the spoilers of the locations. But we got Recruitment Center, Imperial Academy, Training Facility, Battlefield, The Pen, The Den, Spaceport, TIE Fighter Factory, Campsite, Bridge, Impound, Chase, Refinery Canteen, The Coast, Tavern, Droid Arena, The Back Room, Operation Center, Landing Platform, Spice Mines, Kessel Run, and Millennium Falcon. Honestly, friends, I don't think any of these names are spoilers, because uh, I actually started to read an article where someone was trying to piece together how the entire movie was going to go, then I stopped, because I was like, even if they're right, I don't want this spoiled. But, uh, yeah, there's going to be a, a lot of different locations, apparently. Uh, there's people that put a lot of great thought. If you want to, you can look up on Star Wars Newsnet or StarWars.com, and there, there's an article. They'll tell you all about all these different little locations and how they think that means the movie is going to go. I just, I'm happy to see Kessel Run. I'm happy to see Imperial stuff. And, uh, yeah, and, and speaking of Solo... Did you see the new trailer? Hot diggity dog. I, I thought the first two trailers were good, but man, this was a good trailer. And to quote Han Solo in the trailer, I have a good feeling about this. What what to say? Right off the cuff, I'm like, I finished out and I was like, Chewie and Malatobug, Chewie and his wife, or maybe Chewie and his son Lumpy, although it looks a little tall to be his son, although he is 190 years old, so maybe it is his son. And Han in his DL-44 blaster. Lots of action and shots are so beautiful. And I, I would cry they're so beautiful if sadder things in my life had not dragged me up. I, I just, uh, it looks like a wild western space fantasy opera. And I am excited for it. This trailer, I was just like, oh my goodness. I actually watched it at work. And I was training somebody and I was like, do you like Star Wars? He's like, yeah, and I'm going to sit down. We're watching the solo trailer together. And uh, enjoyed it. And somebody else had leaned over to watch it too in the break area. And uh, it, it, it just looks looks so great. The dialogue's on point. This Let's be real. This movie is just Chewbacca, a Star Wars story. And they put Solo's name on it and they just they titled it wrong. It's uh, Chewbacca, a Star Wars story. 
actually, uh, I heard a fan theory. I talked about this with Danny, but a lot of people don't like the tentacle monsters that were in the previous trailer. And uh, I heard somebody say that they could be purgles. And if you don't know what a purgle is, it's a, a space whale that you should be familiar with from either the original Vader comic, um, when they were turned into awful mechanical spaceship things for this bad scientist guy, or from Rebels from the last season or the season before that. They are these literal like whales that go through space and uh, have the ability to uh, jump to light speed. In fact, uh, there are some who believe that light speed technology was from species who witnessed the Purgle doing it and figured out how they could do it as well. And uh, I think if it was Purgles, it could make it okay. I am not a big fan of tentacle creatures from Star Wars. I think I am on record saying that I'm not a big fan of the Raptors. I think I am on record saying that I do not like Purgulet. I, I just, uh, I know silly, crazy monster creatures is sort of a Star Wars thing, but uh, sometimes I like them. Sometimes there's rancors, and sometimes there's borgolets, you know? Uh, sometimes there's there's space worms, and sometimes there's raptors. But, you know, actually I like the raptors more than like that dab gum borgolet. I don't like it at all. <laughs> if I want to insult someone, I'm like, you're a borgolet! <laughs> But uh, I think that could be cool if those ended up being purgles. There's lots of new TV spots for Solo that are popping up on my feeds. Uh, honestly, I'm pretty good. I think I've seen enough before this movie comes out, you know, May 24th or something like that. Uh, I, I've seen a couple of them, but I'm not going to talk about them here. You just get a little bit more dialogue, a little bit more of other scenes. Uh, I'm just really, really excited to see, see my boy Chewbacca and see some... Uh, some Lando, I actually heard somebody call him Childish Landini, <laughs> which I think is funny since uh, it is uh, Donald Glover or Childish Gambino playing Lando Calrissian. So uh, you get some Childish Landini, and uh, I think I'm going to ignore uh, most of the news until this movie comes out. I'm already excited for it. I have a good feeling about this, and uh, I hope you do too. And uh, I can't, can't wait to talk about it after the movie comes out. We've got uh, the finalized box office for The Last Jedi. It's officially happened. They finally locked it in. Places it at $1.3 billion, making it the number seven movie domestically, number nine worldwide of all time for now. It's the second best U.S. opening ever. It's over Marvel gems like Civil War and DC Darling to the Dark Knight. Um, it's also second best for all the Star Wars films. Force Awakens was a behemoth, so that may never lose its record unless all the hype for Infinity War becomes reality and then that takes its place. But yeah, say what you want about The Last Jedi, friends. It, it did very well for itself and uh, it's not not a failure, not, not a financial failure at all, at all. And I'm glad it made all that money because I thought it was a really good movie. Uh, other news, Battlefront 2, if you're playing it, you may not have seen my buddy Dan threw up, not Danny, not Blue, yes, I have another friend, I got a thing for Daniels, but actually threw up uh, Battlefront 2 as playable Ewoks, it started on April 18th, apparently it's a limited event, but there's not actually a set end date as of now, it's uh, called Ewok Hunt, so you get to either play as little murder bears, or you get to play as stormtroopers on Endor, uh, Dan was telling me all about it. Uh, I actually got to see a little bit of video for when he was playing as the Ewoks and going through and like getting blasted by stormtroopers, and that was a little dark and scary. But apparently, it's even scarier and darker when you're a stormtrooper because all you have is a flashlight and little Ewoks come out and kill you. And uh, it it looks amazing. He threw some screen grabs up on the Laugh It Up Fuzzballs Facebook group that you could check it out. 
And uh, if you do Battlefront 2, man, it looks like so much fun. I, I actually, I don't, I'm like, man, I want to buy a console, but maybe what I just need to do is go hang out with my friend Dan for a night and uh, play some Battlefront 2. Uh, also, if you didn't hear, just a uh, rumor, Star Wars Celebration, probably returning to Anaheim in 2019. Makes me really excited because I live in Anaheim, so I'm really hoping to go to every single day of that instead of just one in 2019. And then, uh... Yeah, that's that's all the, the Star Wars news fit to print for now. So wow, I think I think we got through it. I think we got through another level of laughing up fuzzball. Level eighty eight. It's the worst level up music. So Wookie, congratulations for completing level eighty eight. If you're not already doing so, and you're just listening to this for the first time, welcome. Welcome to the madness of laughing up fuzzball. But subscribe on the podcast. Go over on Apple Podcasts and drop a five-star rating and tell people how much you love it. Tell your friends. Drop comments on laughingupfuzzball.net, which is the website. Laughingupfuzzballpodcast at gmail.com is the dedicated email for this podcast where you can send anything. Nobody ever does, but if you did, I'll probably reply to you. At Wookie Riot. W-O-O-K-I-E-E-R-I-O-T on the Twits and the Instagrams. Um, and Laugh It Up Fuzzballs is the closed group on on Facebook. But if you go there and ask ask to be a friend, and I'll say, thank you for being a friend. And yeah, and then you can join all of the amazing stuff. Thank you to everybody who's been putting all of the great stuff there on the Laugh It Up Fuzzballs. And uh yeah, just thanks for stopping by. Thanks for being classy. Thanks for listening. And uh, this show keeps on trucking. It keeps on going. And uh, I'm happy that it does. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're a little late, but there's going to be a bonus ode that will either come out this weekend or maybe maybe Monday. Maybe Monday of next week. That way when the episode comes up on a Tuesday, I don't feel guilty. But, friends, we're going to wrap it up, especially because my computer just said it's running low. And it's at 10%. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you later. Bye. See you, see you, fan. Wookie out.